This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Just your typical normal Wednesday Bulls Beat. Not much special happened in the last couple of... Whoa, wait, wow, this is actually a very special day. We had big news when it came to the football stadium, the on-campus football stadium, receiving officially the funding required to help build it. And, oh yes, the baseball team gave us an amazing win. Just the fact that they beat East Carolina, the details wouldn't have mattered. But the details were incredible, and you'll hear, obviously, plenty of highlights here. We will not have a show tomorrow. We'll have a broadcast tomorrow. It'll be a war night four. Yeah, the Bulls are playing UCF on Thursday afternoon. It was an incredible first day at the AAC tournament. All the games featured late heroics and or upsets, with the case of the Bulls, of course, both took place in spades. And it did not end until after 1.30 a.m. We will take you through our game. We'll also give you some other news when it comes to track and field, give you the rundown for their stay, which we hope is like the Bulls yesterday in Clearwater, uh, an extended one that features plenty of advancing. It's a different story when it comes to the NCAA East prelims. It's more of an individual thing, but the Bulls are well represented nonetheless as a team. The baseball team, well, we'll get to them in just a second. Certainly want to mention this. The Board of Trustees for USS Finance Committee unanimously approves the plan to borrow $200 million as part of the $340 million cost of an on-campus stadium. That is the projected cost. President Rhea Law calls it a significant move forward. If you want all the details exactly where all the money's going to come from, they are well-researched by Matt Baker on TampaBay.com as he posted a big story on that website today. We'll talk more about that, obviously, and there are some pretty interesting angles to it, but as we get more details on exactly what the stadium is going to look like and more of the fun stuff, we'll pass those along to you here on Bulls Beat, but absolutely a significant moment there, and that was going to make it a good day for USF fans in general, and the baseball team just took it over the top with a 12-11 win against East Carolina in 11 innings. The first inning we thought was eventful. Well, it really was. It would get surpassed by a couple of other half innings later on, but the Bulls took an immediate lead as East Carolina went with the guy that had not had a weekend rotation start all year long, Jake Hunter. But as we said, I put it out on Twitter when that was announced, I just didn't think that was really relevant because as we saw as the Pirates swept the Bulls last week in Tampa, the starting pitching really didn't do much, but they had amazing relief, long relief in the case of three different individuals. And in 19 innings of relief, the Bulls did not score in 18 of those 19 innings. And so you knew they were going to get to their pen pretty quickly, and it worked out that way. But nonetheless, the Bulls, with a walk and a hit by pitch, Bobby Bozer got on base in the leadoff spot five times. He was playing second base. I thought that was very interesting as John Montez has been struggling at the dish and in the field. So Bozer, for the first time all year, played a great second base, by the way, for some lineup stuff happening for the Bulls. Ben Rosenblum getting another start. He had only started a dozen games all year long until the past three. Everybody that started had some sort of role. And a freshman who's been doing it all year long got the Bulls on the board. Wondering Betancourt, is he more proficient from one side than the other? Now he has shown power and pop from both sides. Less likely to go oppo from the left side for whatever that's worth. 2-0. And he, there you go, lines it to the right side. And the Bulls are going to take the lead as both runners come around easily on the two-run single by Rafael Betancourt. It is 2-0 USF. 
Well, these are some of the things that we've been waiting to see from this South Florida team for quite a while. Moving runners up, coming up with clutch hits. And all of a sudden, they're up two runs. Great job by Betancourt to drive that ball into right field and knock in two. Should also mention what put the runners both in scoring position was a wonderful bunt by Drew Brutcher. He had one of the more eventful days of any bull. So it was two to nothing. And Jack Siebert, who pitched well against East Carolina, a team that in three games got out homered by the Bulls. It actually put the Bulls ahead of the Pirates in the home run hitting category for the season. Well, they made up the difference immediately. Mr. Starling, who is a Florida kid himself. And that ball is lined deep to left field. And if it's fair, it is gone. It is fair. And it is gone. Siebert got too much of the plate with that 0-2 pitch. And Starling, with his ninth home run of the year, has immediately put the Pirates back within a run. Carolina and the Bulls reconvene. It just seems like they play every year. It had been a while before last year. Cunningham rips that ball deep to left field. Brodell, Mayo, watch it sail out of here. My goodness. That was quick. Two home runs and then a triple where, by the way, it could have been an inside-the-park home run. Justin Wilcox in their catcher nailed the bottom of the wall and it bounded into the middle of the outfield. So with one out here, it looked like the Pirates are going to take the lead right away. A man on third base and one out, two to two already in the bottom of the second. Norhill just golf at the left field and it hangs up for Brodell. That was not an easy catch and this could be a chance at a play at the plate. Relay by Sankovic and they got him! Unbelievable! Wilcoxon didn't think it was going to get caught. Stumbled. They are going to review it, but if the review is it was he out at home, I don't think there's any doubt about it. So that, first of all, could have easily been a hit. Secondly, should have scored a run, and it kept the Bulls in the game, although East Carolina would eventually have a big inning anyway. I probably, mentioning replay, need to go back to after the first home run, where if you didn't catch it, they, the Pirates, had a player get ejected. Yeah, Josh Gross, who was going to be their starting pitcher in game two, so they can't have him today or in their next game. It's a two-game suspension, had a sandwich, and thought he would shove it into Jacob Starling's mouth. It's funny because last weekend, if you heard the highlight, I said I was pretty impressed by how respectful and non-eventful the East Carolina Pirates were about Josh Moylan's homer that kind of put away the, the series for them and clinched the number one seed and all that because they didn't do anything. Well, I guess at conference tournament, they ramped it up because they had a player use a sandwich, which technically is a prop, and they got it shoved in their face <laughs> because that was a suspension and a maybe key suspension for the Pirates. Well, they were hamming it up, so to speak, and they ended up staying tied. Actually, when they did take the lead in the second inning, again, it could have been a bigger inning, but Hunter Mink... Coming in early for Jack Siebert did a great job. They were lining singles off of Siebert. Then Barini with the sacrifice bunt. And after a walk by Siebert to load up the bases, that was it for him. Mink comes in, allows a sacrifice fly, and then strikes out Carter Cunningham. Then the game, of course you knew it would, would sort of calm down for a little bit. Even though the Bulls put multiple runners on base, they had runners in scoring position basically every inning. The fourth was especially agonizing because it was first and third with one out. He had a couple of well-hit balls to get caught. Then in the fifth inning, it was a long 20-minute scoreless fifth inning. In this case, 
it was first and third and nobody out for the Bulls as Bobby Bozer was hit on a three and two pitch. Then a wild pitch from Danny Beal ends his day. That's the guy that went six innings against the Bulls and did not give up a run. So when Eric Snow singled, you had runners on first and third, but a key strikeout by Drew Brutcher. I said he had a very interesting day. Raphael Betancourt strikes out, and this guy who's striking him out, Landon Ginn, is just methodical and taking his time and not really blowing anything past the Bulls, but getting the job done. Meanwhile, after a 20-minute top of the fifth where it sure looked like the Bulls were going to score, here comes Hunter Mink for about a five-minute bottom of the fifth, and then the Bulls finally broke through with a tying run in the top of the sixth. Marcus Brodell singled to end Ginn's day. Then he steals second. Oh, yeah, stolen bases for the Bulls. That was one of the amazing stats in this game. Now, they had some at the end where the Pirates were not even going to attempt to throw them out. It was more situational. But six steals. Do you know that it took the Bulls until April to get their sixth steal on the season? They had six steals in this game. So Brodell gets that key one in this situation in the six, and it would eventually allow him to score after Ben Rosenblum was plunked. He stole second base and it allowed this to tie the score. Spivey at the belt. Here's a ground ball to second. It'll score the run. Sankovic is thrown out, but the Bulls have tied this up. It's 3-3. Three to three. Great thing about that, the obvious, the score, but also making contact, great swings. That was his lightest contact in his three at-bats, but he had that coming. Indeed, but the Bulls kind of fizzled out there, and, well, it looked like it was going to bite them completely. They had 10 runners stranded on base through the first seven innings, and East Carolina finally got to Hunter Mink in the bottom of the seventh in what looked like, for certain, a put-away situation. Barini, who already has one sacrifice today, comes to the plate. Squares to bunt, gets knocked down by an inside fastball. He bunted it to Mink, and Mink runs it to first. There's a ground ball base hit up the middle. This is going to score Makarevich, and it's 4-3 to three East Carolina. Lane Hoover comes up with a base hit. Three and two on Starling. Runner goes, ball is driven to left field. That's going to be over Brodell's head and off the wall. Hoover will score. It'll be an RBI double for Starling, and the Bulls trail five to three. One-two pitch on the way. Line drive, base hit into left field. Turning third is Starling. The throw will not be in time. It's six to three. Josh Moylan drives in his 59th run of the year. And they actually were with two outs without a hit yet. That's changed. And there is a line drive. Base hit. It kicked up chalk on the right field line. It's going to be a double for Wilcoxon. Moylan will score, and it's seven to three. We're going to have a pinch hitter for Nowak. Cam Clanch will bat, so he will presumably stay in the DH spot, and he grounds one through the hole on the left side. Brodell comes up throwing, play at the plate, safe. It's eight to three. 2-0 pitch. 
Ground ball, base hit just inside the line down into the right field corner. Johnson will slide into second with a double. Williams scores and it's nine to three. Four straight, two out hits. And none of them have been cheapos. And if you asked me if I thought the Bulls were going to have an answer for that, I would have said, honestly, 100% no. But very first pitch of the eighth inning at least gives you a sliver of hope. It's 9-3 to three as we start off the eighth. Well, Marcus Bodell starts it in style, lines it deep to right, and that is out of here. Of all the nicks and knacks and knocks the Bulls took in the last inning, Marcus Bodell says, I'm just going to start this one off the right way with one big swing. It's 9-4. to four. How about that, his first home run of the year, seventh driven in, and a no-doubter driven over the wall and right. The Bulls would score two in the frame, but again, it was an RBI ground out in a situation where you needed hits with two outs, Drew Brutcher strikes out looking, and at that point, the Bulls were, well, 0 for 8 with two outs in the game. So as we said on the air, the way around that is to score a bunch of runs and make a lot of things happen before you get to two outs. You could say that took place in the ninth inning, entering which, by the way, the Bulls with runners in scoring position were three for 16. My, how things changed. In real time, what with a bunch of different pitchers for the Pirates, it was about a half hour, half inning, but we've trimmed it down to a good five minutes or so. And I mean a good five minutes. And that ball is lined by Betancourt. Boy, the Bulls are just swinging early in counts now. Change of approach, and it's working out. Another leadoff hit for the Bulls as they've been on base more often than not to lead things off today. Big difference, not just with the two out hitting, is left on base. Ten for the Bulls, just four for East Carolina. Oh, that one is lined, and that is going to get down for another base hit. Betancourt will stay at second, and the Bulls are stockpiling him here in the last two innings. Rodell backing away. And it's behind 0-2 all of a sudden. So he is truly going in and out with his pitching deliveries, and both were well spotted. Pitch number 20 coming up. And it's lined up the middle, and it gets through just barely. Bencourt's got to hoof it to third base because he had to come back, and the bases are loaded. Rodell just with an excuse me swing, and it looked like that maybe the shortstop Barini was going to get to it and get maybe a catch out of midair. That's why Betancourt had to hold up, but no, the bases are loaded. Now Betancourt was literally all the way back to second base. My first thought was, was that he was gonna get forced to third, but he got there in time and now they're loaded. And indeed the Bulls have really, I think you'd have to say it for the fourth time today, issued an at least inning earlier than expected exit for a Pirates pitcher, so they're doing some good work. Let's see if they can really make it something special. Garrett Sailors, not a bad guy to bring out of the pen. No saves, I think that's worth noting. Base is loaded. After they scored two in the eighth, it's 9-5 in the ninth, and that is a chopper that scoots through the middle! Looked like a double play ball, possibly off the bat, and instead, two runs will score. It's 9-7. Rosenblum having a day. And honest to goodness, I thought 6-4-3 off the bat. It took a funny bounce right at the end on the shortstop, Joey Barini. I think it's going to go as a base hit. But now the Bulls have the tying run at first base, and there's still nobody out in the inning. 
Just a bizarre play. Rosenblum's third hit, and yes, no one out. Jackson Mayo looking for his first hit. Bulls are starting to find some things now. Down two. Mayo lines that one, and that could get down. It does. They're going to go ahead and send home the next run, and it's 9-8. to eight. Brodell scores easily as once again, the ball looked like it could have been caught off the bat. Just gets down, and this is unbelievable. Five straight hits for the Bulls. Hits all even at 13. And now the tying run is at third base, and there's still nobody out. He said the Bulls had seen all these guys recently. That ball is lined, and it's going to get down. And we're going to be tied. Travis Sankovic keeps the wheels turning. It's all even at nine apiece. That's what Sankovic does well when things are going right for him. He goes to the opposite field, and he dropped that into shallow left, not far from the line. And the Bulls are all the way back with four runs in the top of the ninth. First and second. Bobby Bozer looking to launch, hits it to right field, and that's not going to get up high enough. Let's see if Mayo can advance to third at least. It's caught out there, and he will slide in. Boy, that was a tough slide, but he gets in. So the runner advances to third base, and there's finally one away. This pitcher is from VMI the last few years. Gone more than two innings, never this season for East Carolina. Looking to finish up the ninth, keep his team tied now. Eric Snow lines it, hits the first base back. That's a lead for the Bulls right there. Mayo will come home easily. Going on over to third is Sankovic, and it's 10 to nine. Eric Snow whacked it off the first base bag. And a huge RBI knock. The seventh hit of the inning for the Bulls, and the Bulls lead it 10 to nine. They've scored seven runs in the last two innings. Just unreal. And now Drew Brutcher's had a frustrating day. Has struck out three times. Could he maybe actually be facing a lefty? Because we're going to see another pitching change in this inning. This amazing inning for the USF Bulls. Struck out to end the eighth inning. After the Bulls have scored a couple runs, and that kind of seemed like all right, East Carolina has stemmed any possible wild comeback, but nope, we've seen an incredibly wild one here in the ninth with five in and the ball's ahead. Hunter is going from first. Brutcher drives it through the right side of the infield. Here's another run for you. An RBI single. And it's 11-9. What a clutch hit for Brutcher. The Bulls have now put nine men to the plate in this ninth inning and eight of the nine have a hit, and every one of them have hit a single. And now it's a two-run margin. If you were paying attention, there were definitely some hits that could have not been hits, and it's something I talked to Billy Mole recently about. Would it be nice if the Bulls could just get a break or two? Well, it happened at the right time, I'd say. What you didn't hear among those eight hits was an extra base hit. And this is something that, again, going into the inning, Bulls had a normal offensive day going on, and you would not have even bothered to notice. But definitely noticed as the game got to the end that, whoa, other than the Brodell homer to start things off in the eighth inning, it was all singles for the Bulls. 
against an East Carolina team that had just recently, two weeks prior against Campbell in that wild 14-13 game. That was their only time they'd allowed their opponent to score double-digit runs, which is really amazing if you think about it. And the 19 hits the Bulls had yesterday bested that Campbell mark by three for the most hits against East Carolina. But the inning ended with the play that, you'll hear my call, left a lingering sense that it wasn't quite over yet. Full count, runners on second and third, six in, two away. Can the Bulls get their first two out hit? Oh man, that's stroked. Deep to right field, got a chance to get down. Oh, what a running grab. Out there in center field, and the inning ends on an amazing catch by Riley Johnson. Will that save the day for East Carolina? It definitely saved two runs. But six runs on eight hits in the frame. Now, East Carolina only has one right-handed bat in their normal lineup, which is just crazy if you think about it, and then one switch hitter to make it seven out of nine lefties. And Nolan Hootie shut them down. This was on Saturday. He threw 95 pitches and went six innings. Did not give up a run, only walked one. But against a man who had struck out his last three times, Carter Cunningham, who he just misses with the two and two fastball that would have been a punch out, and then walks him on the next pitch, which made you nervous. And unfortunately, those feelings were justified here. Again, the wind is blowing out to right. It favors the Pirates hitters, mostly mashing lefties. Don't have to worry about Jenkins Cowart, though. But this guy, oh yeah, you're worried. Cunningham's not the important run here. He's at first. It's an 11-9 game. Fastball's tagged, deep to right field. What are we talking about? Two-run home run. And we are tied. Telling you, he's amazing. And the Bulls couldn't keep him out of the park. That ball was no doubt gone off the bat. And for the second time in the day, you thought the game was, well, not going to be one, frankly. Even though the score was tied and there was still game to be played, it's just what the Pirates do. They win so many games when they have to come back, not from quite the dramatic circumstances that unfolded in Clearwater, but again, it wasn't surprising. But give him credit, Nolan Hootie, and he was kind of shaky, was falling off the mound on a couple of pitches, was able to get the next three guys out. Then here comes top of the 10th, and East Carolina stays with its little-used lefty Eric Ritchie, and he gets them one, two, three, again, after they had scored eight runs in their previous two innings. So here we go, and Boogie Brown comes in, yet another lefty. So the Bulls essentially use Jack Siebert, Hunter Mink, and Boogie Brown, who would be their three starters in a regular rotation, and now it's all or nothing because if you lose this game, you're having to play again the next afternoon, and all the guys that pitched are off the table. Now at least maybe one or two of them could be available with an extra day of rest. Brown didn't have to throw too many pitches, but... He did walk the leadoff man. Joey Barini, who had two sack bunts, didn't bunt, which was a little surprising in a tie game, but he grounded out, which served the same purpose. Then a very strange play, Lane Hoover, who gets credit for a sack bunt, and he's great at doing that. He has now 11 on the season and 30 on his career, but why would you do that with one out? So it gave the Bulls kind of an open base to play with against their only righty, Jacob Starling. I thought maybe they should have intentionally walked him if you were listening, and none of the pitches were really close, but it turned out to be an actual walk. Then he steals second. However, Cunningham flies out, and the game stays tied. Frankly, it just felt like East Carolina was going to do its normal thing and win it in the 10th. Didn't happen. We head to the 11th. Travis Sankovich starts it off with a single. Bobby Bozer actually strikes out. This is all against Richie, who had never thrown more than two innings in a game, and, well, maybe that caught up to him. Eric Snow singles on a 2-0 pitch the other way. 
The Bulls were getting that done. They were hitting the ball the other way. Make it a third time as the East Carolina Pirates paying Drew Brutcher the ultimate respect of having him shifted, leaving a little spot on the left side of the diamond open. More curveballs are coming. Bulls have hit some today, including Brutcher last time up. And he does that time, and they had to hold Sankovic. He got a late jump, but I think he's still going to have plenty of time to score. He does, and the Bulls retake the lead. Brutcher gets a big pat on the helmet from Dusty Snyder out there, and it's 12 to 11. Brutcher comes through with his second RBI single in the last three innings. And again, like Sankovic, who started things off, he goes opposite field. Bulls have a lot of lefties who use the entire ballpark, and Bruncher is one of them. And now it's 12 to 11. That's 19 hits for the Bulls. And again, 18 of them singles. However, for a second time after a big inning, here comes Joaquin Monquet with what would have been a two-run single. He had a two-run double robbed, as you heard, at the end of the ninth inning by Riley Johnson. This one was hooking and just, again, the other way, got caught out in right field. So 12 to 11, hardly comfortable, especially with Josh Moylan coming up to start things off. But Boogie Brown shut him down. Moylan a triple away from the cycle, as we mentioned, but he won't get it there. Curveball swung on a miss, strike three, and why does that feel like a huge out to start things off? Well, it's a great job by Brown coming back with the breaking ball and getting Moylan to swing through it. Got to keep the ball in the ballpark in this bottom of the inning here. You've got a lot of powerful hitters coming up. Another one at the plate now. Moylan hit his 14th earlier. This guy was gunning for number nine, Justin Wilcox, and he does have a triple today along with an RBI double. There's that breaking ball, and it chops. Monke's got a little bit of a run to get to the bag, but he'll make it, and there's two away. Curveball over to second base. Bobby Bozer fields it, throws the first, and the Bulls win it. An amazing, an amazing extra inning victory. Knocking off the top seed. Down nine to three after seven innings of play. Seemingly out of it after the Pirates scored six in the seventh. The Bulls rally back. Take the lead in the top of the ninth. Bounce back after the Pirates had an answer. And they win it here, putting up 19 hits in an epic performance. Absolutely stunning. And now the Bulls get a day off and they face the UCF Knights. Oh, yeah. Tune in for more drama on Thursday afternoon. That is indeed the Bulls' opponent. In this game, of course, both teams went all out when it comes to their pitchers. And again, East Carolina will not have Josh Gross because of the prop celebrating a home run. And by the way, I think that might have been over the top to have to face a suspension. Who knows if that changes. But as we're taping this, it'll probably be Trey Savage pitching to keep East Carolina's conference championship hopes alive. Now remember, they're going to make the NCAA tournament regardless, and they're trying to play to win this title and host a regional. They're on that bubble right now. East Carolina will play Cincinnati at three. The other elimination game on the other side of the bracket, of course, it's the two against the three, as the bottom three teams all won, including seventh-seeded Tulane, topping Houston 10-8. to Tulane scored eight runs in the second inning. Houston answered back with five to make it an 8-7 game, but only single markers, a few of them, the rest of the way. We talked about how the starting pitching was a little bit irrelevant in our game. 
about Tulane's ace, Ricky Castro, giving up 10 hits, 7 runs, and in 2 innings, and Houston's Josh Eckness giving up 7 runs in 1 inning, and the rest of the way, pitching was great. Chandler Welch threw 5 and 2 thirds innings for Tulane. It was the savior for them. And then in the game that ended at 1.30 in the morning, Memphis defeats Wichita State 10-6. Memphis did not have to use its ace pitcher, Dalton Fowler, so that's something to file away. Do they even throw him against Tulane or save him for a potential clinching situation on Saturday? So our half of the bracket, it's the Bulls against UCF on Thursday. The winner goes right to Saturday and is one win from clinching a spot in Sunday's championship game. The loser tomorrow has to turn around and play on Friday against that East Carolina-Cincinnati winner. Of course, if you're the Bulls, I'll say it. Wouldn't mind seeing Cincinnati pull the upset off there. But either way, you definitely want to get the win because the team that goes 2-0 goes right to Saturday and, like I say, is one win away from advancing into the championship game. If you lose your first game, you get another chance at the team that just beat you. Other side of the bracket, the Tulane Memphis winner will be in that same spot. Unbelievable stuff in Clearwater, and again, we'll be on the air for Game 2. A lot of good information tweeted out today by the USF Baseball account on how affordable the tickets are, show your student ID, you get in for 6 bucks. so hopefully there's a good crowd of Bull supporters in the Warren I-4 on Thursday afternoon. We'll also be supporting from afar the USF track and field team. Again, two dozen individuals and part of relay teams qualified for the East Prelim track meet in Jacksonville at UNF. Michael Bourne starts things off for the Bulls at 6 o'clock. He is in the 110 hurdles, school record holder in that event. Pole vault is tonight as well if you want the full schedule and all of the names of the competitors and when their events are. Nice article posted now on GoUSFBulls.com. That's going to be this special version of Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Thanks for dropping by, and we'll talk to you guys on Thursday from Clearwater.